0: i'm mike gorman and you're listening to the celtics pod podcast for celtics blog here's your host adam taylor
1: what's going on everybody happy wednesday how are we all feeling we're we feeling good i'm feeling good I'm joined by Will from Celtics but like he does have a surname but I can't pronounce it so I'm going <laughs> to let Will kind of just take it away real quick let you know who he is how to pronounce that surname we need one of those basketball reference kind of you yeah, know pronunciations right. that's what we the f- need
0: the phonetics no it's 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 Will Bjarnar Icelandic uh is what the surname is um but Adam thanks so much for having me but a pleasure to get to know you over Slack over the past few years and and finally happy to see you face-to-face and chat with you about the game.
1: Yeah, man, don't watch the hair I need to trim. I tell you what, though, <laughs> I mean, I'm quite quiet in that Slack channel, to be fair. I kind of let everybody nah. else. but I'm quite peaceful. If anybody hasn't read Will's stuff, um, I remember when Will – and we will talk basketball, don't worry, everybody – I remember when will joined celtics blog and i always make a point of reading everyone new stuff like more than i would everybody else i try and read most articles that go up but you know i'll be like oh this will i want to read what will's got because you can always learn off people and then i'm reading it i'm like dude man this guy's so good like, I'm, and i remember messaging i think it was simon maybe or bill and i was just like dude this will guy is amazing man he like throws jokes everywhere and, and like he's just throwing darts like one will be funny one might not be as funny uh, but if you don't read Will's stuff, then you're seriously missing out because it's an experience. Uh, it's definitely got some comedic value to it. You're excellent, man. I
0: appreciate that. I appreciate that very, very much. It's very kind of you to say. I'm, I'm it's blushing. true, I'm blushing true. internally.
1: Don't worry if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Will not blushing but saying <laughs> he's blushing. It's that it must be that Icelandic heritage. That's what it is. So, <laughs> so obviously, going to mask, talk, it really well, yeah, that's what it is, right? Just, I mean, yeah. uh. Last time I was talking to some Icelandic people, I was in <laughs> Barcelona and I ended up at a phone party with a bunch of Icelandic dudes. Oh, and I've uh, never been
0: to one of those. But, uh, yeah, this it was wild. Well, I
1: remember saying to the wife, like, I'm like, I'm just gonna go out with these guys, met them on holiday. I'm, like, I'm just gonna go for a beer. And then like seven hours later, I, I rolled <laughs> home, like just covered in foam, drunk. I was like, okay. She went. <laughs> I was like, it may have been more than just a beer, but it was a good That's night. Good. good night. Yeah. It's the only memory I've got with Icelandic folk and as a european i should have more anyway we <laughs> were uh, obviously we're going to touch on game 2 but i'll kind of want to get what your thoughts were going into this game following what we saw in game 1 so you're like so that's kind of lay the scene it's days it today it's tuesday yesterday was tuesday but we had um uh, you know when you have like a national holiday and you lose a day in your head because you start yeah. like a day late so it's tuesday, it's tuesday Marcus Smart's pretty much out. We know it coming in. It hasn't been confirmed, but you're like, yeah, this dude's not going to be around. The destruction happened on Sunday, as I like to call it. What were your thoughts coming into the game? Were you confident? What was you expecting to see?
0: Yeah, I mean, I obviously we watch every game. I recapped game one and then wrote about uh, the poor shooting. And... So I was I was in a pretty pessimistic mood. <laughs> but thoughts going into game two, I'm thinking there's no way they're going to shoot that poorly again. I mean, they were – I wrote this. They didn't just look historically bad. They they For their standards, they were historically bad. I mean, you shoot 18 of 50, which is most they've ever shot from three in a playoff game. And it's – I mean – they, they make 10 twos out of 34 attempts, it's not what you want, but they fell right into what Milwaukee wanted them to do, which is force it from outside because we're not gonna let you get inside. So my thoughts going into game two is there's no way they are going to look that bad again, perform that bad again, shoot that bad again. There's definitely no way that Jalen's going to. So I felt decent in that regard when it came to okay, they're gonna be more in this game than they were in game one. Like there's we've seen Udoka adjust in the past, especially since the turn of the year. Um, but I don't know if I expected what Jalen did in the first quarter, which I'm sure we're gonna talk about. I mean, he went nuclear. And while I definitely expected a turnaround, I I wasn't sure that I expected what he delivered, and I was pleasantly surprised by what the team delivered. I definitely didn't think they were going to struggle as much as they did game one. I f- figured that that was a given. But I wasn't sure without Marcus what the intensity was going to be. Now, we've seen this team remain intense through a lot of things, through Rob being her, through Jalen missing time, through Marcus missing time. But last night, I think proved exactly what we all had started to kind of embed in our heads over the course of the entire second half of the season is okay, this is, this is a different team. Maybe they slip up a little bit. They're going to rebound after the fact. And so heading into the game, I was a bit more pessimistic than I would have liked to be exiting game 2 trying to temper the optimism, but it's there.
1: So uh, I was pretty, ve- well, I was fairly similar. The only thing was I had a strong take on what I wanted to see from Jalen in terms of how they utilized him. Uh, I think that I was confident in the alterations defensively. You know, I felt like they they learned doubling Giannis is the key to failure. Um, I think that most teams kind of figured it out, but they don't have the personnel to not throw doubles at him, where Boston are fortunate enough to have Al Horford, Grant Williams, um, Rob Williams to a lesser extent against Giannis because I feel like Giannis can just displace Rob. Um, dude joked, "What can you do?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if he wants to move you, he's going to move you. I mean, his uh,
0: his, ar- his arms are the size of like a cement tank. I just every time I look at him, and yeah, he he he's he's a
1: behemoth. I want that physique, dude. I I, I want that physique. I don't care about the height. Like I'm a tall dude anyway, yeah, but, but I just want to be that ripped man.
0: I would be, yeah. I I don't want to put in the work to get that big. I'll say that much. <laughs> I have other stuff I gotta I got I gotta do throughout the day. However, if there's any sort of formula or program that doesn't involve illegal substances or things that would harm my body, I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: It's called Just seven days a week lifting weights.
0: Yeah, I guess, and being you know.
1: Uh, ridiculously just, healthy. Just
0: ridiculously healthy and never never eats Oreos. It? The guy eats
1: Oreos like they their their advil. Like he pops these things. But well, once you get like, to that really, size, you can, right? You can. Because your calories you the amount of calories you need to sustain that size yeah. is ridiculous it's getting to that point where like you go for more. Well, I've got a friend and um he's like a true like he bodybuilds for like he yeah. gets paid to bodybuild, that's his like job. And um, he he eats whatever he wants, but I remember him saying to me like, "Dude, I've earned this through like ten years yeah. of not being able to eat what I want, and now I'm just that big. I need four five thousand calories a day. I'm yeah. not gonna get that through fruits and vegetables. So I can go and eat two True. burgers and feel good about it. I'm like, man, I want, I just want to, I, I want to skip the ten years and just get to that point, right? Just great. Right. But like, uh, you said we'll touch on. I think we should start with Jalen then for the game to yeah. talk. I mean. If you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, the way I kind of described it to myself was the dude's just got an ultra instinct. Everything <laughs> is just coming to him, and he's, he's just 10 times faster than everybody else, understands exactly what he wants to do. I do think that, you know, I was quite harsh on Jaden on the last podcast in terms of being like, hey, this is a one-to-one turnover to assist ratio, dude. And I think I said something along the lines of putting the ball in his hands is kind of just being like, oh, we've got to try and make something happen. It's probably not going to work. This was different. He was more off ball, uh, which is the role I think really suits him the best. Just get him the ball, let him finish. Don't ask him to create. Um, But when he was forced to create, he's better at creating for himself than he is for creating for others. I find that that's been true for probably two, three years at this point. His handle's tight when he's stationary. It only becomes loose once he's on the move. I think Tatum went through a similar struggle about 18 months ago. He looked really good in the half-court setting. But if you gave Tate the ball on the break like 18 months, two years ago, it felt like the ball was coming halfway up to his shoulders. Do you remember what I mean? Especially down on the yeah. wings. Uh, Jalen was just cooking, dude. He cooked guys after dribble. He cooked guys from jumpers. He got to the mid-range. His free ball was falling. But again, a lot of them were catching shoots or one-dribble pull-ups. And I think that's where he's always going to be at his best. Once you start asking him to be this... This creator for others, like, hey Jaden, go go make something for Payton Pritchard or go create something right. to get Grant a, a bucket in the corner. I think that's when you start taking him out of his comfort zone. So I think he was perfectly cast in this game. And I don't yeah. think Milwaukee was expecting that sort of explosion. I don't think anyone think was expecting it.
0: Not at all. Um I mean, just just to start, Grayson Allen is still embedded in the in the floor. I, I that's at least what I know. I like
1: Grayson Allen, so I was very happy about that.
0: He's I mean he's he's still sitting there. He hasn't left. It's been what I'm looking at my clock. It's been okay, not quite twenty four or twelve hours since the game ended. Uh he's still there. And I don't know there's no sign of when he'll move. Um no, but I I, I mean I completely agree. He what we saw in game one from Jalen is you, you, you nailed it when you were talking about his handle when he's on the move. I think when he's getting downhill, or if he has to, especially on, on the break, what we've seen from him over the past couple of years is if he catches it in stride, he can maybe take one dribble, and he's a really, really good finisher at the rim when contested. But if he's in a congested area like he was in game one, I, I believe it was seven turnovers he had in game one, and I, I want to say 95% of them came... While he was just directly in the painted area, outside of the restricted area, surrounded by three guys, and you're asking him to kick it out. Because he kind of went in there with reckless abandon, not knowing exactly what he wanted to do next. And, you know, that's not necessarily a recipe for success. Game two, you nailed it. Catching pull up, or he's catching spot ups. He's pulling up off of a pocket pass. He's getting... Things created for himself and sometimes you're just feeling it sometimes you I mean he just like it's that it's sometimes it's that simple I try I try my best to you know balance the here's what he was doing stylistically and here's how he benefited statistically but sometimes you just it's just you're just on he was off in game one we all know that he I've I've maybe never seen him play that bad, especially not in a playoff game. But last night, he looked like a guy who knew, okay, I either got to put up here or I got to shut up. Because if I if I come out and I miss three threes in a row, like I did again, everybody on Twitter, not that he cares necessarily, he's not Kevin Durant, let's be real. But everybody on Twitter is going to be saying, got to get Jalen out of here offense is worse with Jalen give give Tatum the ball put Jalen on the bench and that's obviously a rash response but he just he looked like somebody who knew exactly what he needed to bring the game to and then from a stylistic perspective he was take he was taking the shots he can make he was not as you said doing too much to get into the paint and try to create over a three man wall of six, eleven defenders and Giannis Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. That's not, it's not going to happen. Like that I think Boston has figured that out within two games. And last night they perfected the approach of, all right, let's try to create on the wing, but create good shots with crisp ball movement, which they did not do in game one ball movement last night was ridiculous. And you mentioned, uh, or I don't know if you mentioned it, but Tatum over the past 18 months, as you said, his ball handling has gotten better and his creation for others has gotten better. He had eight assists last night, He's becoming far better passer than I had initially anticipated for him. Michael Pina has a really good piece of the sports Illustrated from a couple weeks or months ago about that. Um, but yeah, I mean when Tatum isn't necessarily cooking like you expect him to, I lost a bet last night cause I bet Tatum over 25 points, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, But when he's not cooking the same way you expect him to all the time and he's creating like he was last night for a guy like jalen music to my ears and should be music to everybody's ears because that was exactly what needed to happen last night from both of them when one's not shooting as well and one's just walking on fire
1: so my outlook on just these guys developments in general i think one of the things that a lot of people kind of overlook when you're talking about like player development, taking that step towards being a star, and then that next step, is self awareness, right? You've got to play, you've got to be self aware enough to play within your best role and to put yourself within your best positions. Jalen Brown comes into game two, very self aware, plays a game that's tailor made for his skill set. Jason Tatum hurts his wrist on pretty much the first first defensive play of the game. You saw him grab it. Uh, Evidently, that affected his shooting stroke, as it would, whether it's a shooting hand or not. You still need your other hand to like balance the ball, protect from swipes, blah blah blah. So he's very self-aware. Like, hey, early on the shots aren't falling. Let me become, let me lean into go into facilitator mode. And we've seen him do that against Brooklyn when his shots weren't falling in the early games. We've seen him do it throughout the season. And I think that's the difference now. Before, if Jason Tatum wasn't scoring. You, you were in big trouble because you had to go and find 25 to 30 extra points that Tatum exactly. usually gives you that aren't there now. Yep. Whereas now it's like, okay, Tatum's not scoring, but he's going to generate you anywhere between, I don't want to do the math, but like, what's that? Eight, 16, anywhere between 16 and 24 points off yep. of assists. So you, his scoring numbers won't be there, but he'll make sure those numbers get put on the board elsewhere with his passing and his playmaking. And I think that's been a huge development not only for him but for the team and it takes that pressure off everybody expecting Jalen Brown to become that guy because now Brown can just continue to be this because ideally in my head the role Jalen Brown plays he should be scoring similar numbers to to Tatum but not doing the rebounding and the assist numbers because he's that secondary guy right so we saw that kind of in this game okay as you say unfortunately you lost a bet But Tatum, you know, pulled that guy. He was working on the boards. He was working on the assist charts. He was still scoring. He had a little run where he went a bit Steph Curry with the drop-off pass, run round into the corner, relocate, shoot a couple of... So he can still... Tatum can drop 10 in the space of like a minute and 30 seconds. And you don't even realize he's dropped 10. You're just like, oh, Tatum scored, Tatum scored, Tatum scored. That's nine. (laughs) Oh, he's at the line. There's (laughs) eleven. And you're like, man, but Giannis can do the same thing, right? Like Giannis, yeah, scored, third quarter comes out, drops 16. You're like, how does he yep. do this? But again, he joked, he does what he wants. Um, but I completely agree. And I think that, you know, this goes to show when Jalen and Jason are playing at that level, when, they're, when they've when they got it, as you said. And I kind of, I like it because, you know, as people like write for a living, some days you have it and you can get yeah. through it. And then other days you are like I don't even understand what the word there means. It's just I'm really (laughs) struggling. Um, Why are
0: there three? There are three different versions of there. Which
1: one? I don't. Oh, Oh, now we're
0: now we're dealing with where.
1: Okay. And then you start using words that you don't use too often, and then you're like, I know how to spell it, but I can't pronounce it. So should I use it? (laughs) Like <laughs> because if I can't pronounce it, so it's the same thing, right? These when but when these guys are both firing at the same time, the Celtic and with the defense that this team brings that we want to get to and that I want to get to in a moment, yeah, you start to really lean into the like yo, this is a finals team. When they play like they played yesterday, this is a finals team. The problem is that with any young team really, and especially with the Celtics, because I think it's easy to forget how young they are inconsistencies come with being young you that consistency is something you develop over a very long period of time of playing or doing something at a high level and not everyone there's consistent yet including tatum and brand but you know that's what happens when your best two players are 25 and under when i was 25 (laughs) i weren't doing anything consistently apart from drinking (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: yeah you know i uh i'm with you um no i think i I was talking to a friend recently, and uh, she's a Celtics fan as well, and she said to me, um, you know, at some point we got to just if, – if, this was way, way earlier in the season, so it actually wasn't that recent, but she was saying, at some point, don't we just need to kind of do an overhaul? Like, this, they've been around for a long time, referring to the Jays. And she's right, but she's wrong because they're, they're 25. Jalen's twenty five. Jason Tatum's three months older than I am. Like these guys are, they're babies when when it comes down to
1: it. How'd you feel being three months younger than Jason Tatum and not being worth hundreds of millions of dollars?
0: Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, It's 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 a it's a constant reminder that I didn't work on my form shooting enough when I was younger, and also that I'm not six eight and. You know, just a just a otherworldly talent. There. Most
1: of the players my age are retiring now, dude. So oh, I'm just like, it's... I'm like, man, yeah. I missed an entire What's NBA the... career. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's fun when
0: people are like, well, Anthony Edwards is only 20, and I'm like, well, what do we? What are... Look at me. What am I doing here? <laughs> what did I? Where did I go wrong? Um, no, but the, you're you're <laughs> right, the team, there, dude. The team is so young. And the inconsistencies are going to come. And like you said, we're going to talk about the defense. The defense was extremely inconsistent in game one and almost looked unprepared uh, to stop what Milwaukee was going to bring. Just as the offense looked unprepared for the traps Milwaukee wanted you to fall into. But game two was a completely different from the jump. And and, um, yeah, I think both of these guys, speaking to Brown and Tatum, they're going to be inconsistent and they're going to come up short when it comes to scoring sometimes, but specifically Tatum, um, his playmaking has improved. And I think that the entire team, some of those options, as long as they can stay ready and stay efficient, when it comes to putting the ball in the hoop, specifically Grant, Peyton Pritchard, Al Horford on the wing, you know, it's going to be tougher to get robbed the ball. Um, against a team like Milwaukee down low, but it was a completely different team. Uh, the team we're actually a bit more used to, especially on the offensive end, but transition, the defensive end was another thing.
1: <laughs> Good transition, the segue. Uh, before we go into the defense, I want to kind of see you get your thoughts on the narrative that kind of floated around, and I think even Ima kind of touched on it like, a little bit after that game one loss of like the narrative was basically the Celtics had their brought into their own hype. You know what I mean? You just dispatched the Brooklyn Nets, which were arguably the favourites to win the whole thing. You you sweep them, you handle yeah. Kevin Durant, you make Kyrie Irving regret ever leaving Boston, all of a sudden he's like <laughs> saying nice things. Uh Bruce Brown just doesn't have you heard from Bruce Brown since those comments of bit him in the butt, dude. Like you can't. I like this is what i'm can't saying be saying
0: right that now.
1: man the be nets careful. are in hiding right now yeah. brooklyn's in hiding the entire the entire area of brooklyn is no longer visible on maps it's just here was brooklyn
0: <laughs> like, and I, be can confirm. I can confirm I, I i live in hoboken new jersey right across the river from new york city and you can no longer see brooklyn it's gone it's yeah. it's it's in a perpetual fog you just don't even acknowledge
1: that fog is like the same type of fog as what you would see in one division you know somebody's just there and they're making everybody else forget it exists for a while that's like you know but like um, (laughs) but did you do you believe that do you think these guys came into game one like yo if we handled brooklyn that way we're going to be fine and then all of a sudden you read like reality punches you in the mouth and you're like this isn't brooklyn man these guys are about their business
0: yeah I think uh, see I I just have difficulty believing that no matter how young you are and no matter how successful you've been over the course of the second half of the season I always have difficulty believing that a team is going to be willing to say oh we these guys aren't these guys are a joke like these guys there's there's, there's no way but I mean for the Bucks are a different team I, I wonder if the fans bought into the hype a bit more and you know general viewers bought into the hype a bit more just because you did shut down kevin durant as you said totally totally made kyrie regret leaving boston i mean guy would come back in a heartbeat if he wanted to no i'm just kidding um but you you played as well as you did against kevin durant and you hope that you can translate that to Giannis, and maybe you believe that you can translate it to Giannis. Both of those two guys are probably 1A, 1B. In my book, it's best player in the world, regardless of who, Nikola Jokic, is gonna win MVP this year. I don't know that the team necessarily bought into its own hype. I don't know that Ine Doka would buy into its own hype, because I think they're smarter than that. I think that fans, on the other hand, most certainly, are willing to buy into that hype when you take down the team that everybody thought was going to beat you. Everybody thought was going to kick you to the curb in in five or six. I mean, I always thought it was going to be a five or six game series with Brooklyn, with Boston coming out on the other side, just because of how disjointed Brooklyn was. I didn't necessarily think, regardless of the Chris Middleton news, that that was going to be... The same case with Milwaukee. Um, I did think I do think Boston is gonna win the series. Um, you know, Marcus Smart's health might throw a bit of a wrench in that, but as we saw last night, if the team can play like that, they can respond well to that. Um, but yeah, I don't to sum it up, I, I it it I struggle to say that a team like this that went through what they went through at the beginning of the season where everybody was like, oh, this is supposed to be one of the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. They they look on par with one of the maybe nine or ten best – nine or ten teams that I – mean, there was talk of this team, like, squeaking into the play-in. That's not I, – I I would have difficulty if I am in that locker room, and I'm most certainly not, no matter how close in age I am to Jason Tatum, I have difficulty – thinking that they're going to buy in to this sort of hype that, oh, we just swept the Brooklyn Nets. It's going to be a cakewalk till we meet Phoenix in the finals. I just, so for me, I think they're very, very aware, much more aware than maybe they would have been in November. And that gives me a bit of pause to say that they bought in. They immediately assumed that they were going to just waltz through this series. Yeah.
1: Because that was a big, like you know, it was a bit of a narrative like, hey, these guys came in and got their butts kicked, so evidently they came in expecting. And like, you to a certain degree, you can understand, like, if you're like, we just locked down Kevin Durant and now yeah. we're coming up against Giannis, we're going to lock down Giannis too. And I agree, 1A and 1B. The thing is, they're two totally different players, one operates more on yeah. the perimeter and in the pockets, and the other one's just a bullet that's literally exactly. going to push you out the way. But I mean. When you look at the way the defense, and this is how we can segue in, like when you look at the way the defense reacted in game one, sending doubles, like overreacting to every honest penetration to this game where it's like, yo, just trust Al, trust yep. Grant, and then we're just yep. going to stay home on shooters. We're not going to – and we're going to make sure there's no Grant. passing blame. Oh, Grant, Grant Williams is bad, by the way. Like um, he, he's fast becoming one of my – like – Tatum's my favorite Celtic just because it's Tatum, but Grant is fast, like, really pulling at my heartstrings to start being like, yo, Grant's my favorite, man.
0: Don't tell Jack Simone.
1: I told Jack the other day, actually. (laughs) 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 There's enough Grant to share, man. There, There is enough Grant to share. Plenty. I like his meme mug. I think Grant's funny when he's meme mugging dudes because you're like you're the nicest guy on earth. Yeah, like, you're the nicest you're being, guy. You're, 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 you're the VP dude. of the
0: Players you, You're not mean mugging anybody. You're 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 a teddy bear. It's but he's funny. Out
1: there, like, mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you can just imagine, it, you know, push me over, and then you're just like, dude, man. Nobody's <laughs> taking it seriously. Like because you look quite like you know, if you didn't know him, you'd be like, dude, this dude's big, man. I'd be a bit concerned. When you're yeah. seeing him talking about playing cards and Catan and everything like that, I'm like, <laughs> give me a hug, just give me a hug. But no, like, <laughs> I like hugs. But um, defense. I call me my little one used to call me Olaf. Um, oh, I love that. But when we're talking about defense as an as like an overall, I think that this was a far more robust kind of performance and the one thing i do want to touch on real quick that i was that you kind of brought to my head and then it went away but now it's came back is chris middleton injury right so i read this somewhere or i saw it on youtube and i don't know who to credit but i'm pretty sure it's going to be one of these horrible on air tv shows like the undisputed or first take or something (laughs) but now and again they say something i agree with now i don't watch them because i think they know their ball i watch them because i love watching people shout at each other about basketball takes when it doesn't involve me it's perfect stephen a smith as far as i'm concerned i don't take anything he says with a pinch of salt but watching him get so worked up is just excellent entertainment um but i think it was definitely somebody on one of those shows but they made a point that i agreed with and I remember it because I was shocked that they made such a good point and it was that Chris Middleton being out has actually made life harder for Boston on both sides of the floor because all of a sudden Milwaukee have gone bigger that whereas Bobby Portis would be coming off the bench now they're starting with three bigs they're starting with Giannis, Brook and Bobby so that front line is, is huge, there's length everywhere yeah. there's size, there's strength guys can cut in and really set hard screens and then on defense you've got if you get past Brooke Lopez, you still got two guys in front of you. And it's kind of like what the Cavs did, right? All season when, when, yes. Larry Allen was healthy, Evan Mobley was healthy and Larry Markkinen, who apparently is good, but I I, I can't believe it in my own brain that Larry Markkinen it's, is good. Um,
0: it's, it's shocking, but he,
1: he, he's good. I'm not willing to um, accept it at this moment in <laughs> time. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, need, I need another time. two
0: years. I need another two years. I, I, yeah. I, I still have my stock, but I'm willing to sell. Yeah,
1: but it's like you know that that entire like size on offense and on defense has actually benefited Milwaukee Milwaukee against Boston because Boston don't have the option to add more size the way Brooklyn. Uh, sorry, the way Milwaukee has in that regard. So I do like that take, and I do think that that benefited them in Game One, but I think it was one of their biggest hindrances in Game Two. Because I think it was a lot easier to keep guys on the perimeter. And if Bobby Portis isn't open, and we're talking like very open, you don't have to worry about that shot being legitimate.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I was going to mention. It's In game one, we peered right into the weakness of going at Giannis and throwing doubles at Giannis. He's also just as good a distributor as anybody on the floor 90% of the time and he knew exactly what he needed to do against this Boston defense if they were going to throw guys at him which I'm, I was surprised that they did initially I figured they would have noted the fact that even without Middleton they still can throw guys in the perimeter I mean as you said if Bobby Portis is open which he was all throughout game one he he's going to knock down shots Grayson Allen was hot in game one. He didn't do anything in game two. But in game one, he's open. He's going to knock down shots. Brooke Lopez, another one of the bigs that you mentioned, he can he can shoot contested threes, and he's become far better on the perimeter as his career has gone on, especially during his late years in Milwaukee. Game two is just completely different. They realized what they needed to do against Giannis, which apparently is Put Grant Williams in front of him to be the brick wall that Giannis typically is offensively, um, and make sure that the perimeter was taken away. Because you enter this series, and the first thing, like you said, with the Middleton injury, is okay. Their perimeter, their perimeter options are limited now, but actually, their size is going to benefit them because boston at least offensively is going to have difficulty creating and when boston's defending what are they going to do if the if the ball is up in the air i mean i i was talking to a friend recently about this you know he he goes they just it's three seven footers against robert williams who's 610 and al horford who's 611 and i'm like i don't mean to be the guy who jumps in and and corrects you but You would think that based on how they play. Rob Williams is 6'8", and Al Horford's 6'9". The Milwaukee Bucks are going to have the three tallest players on the court practically at all times when they have Portis, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez out there. Jason Tatum and Al Horford are the same height. Rob Williams plays bigger than he is, but he's still only a couple inches taller than Grant. So from a length perspective, there is going to be a bit of a deficit. It's how you respond in on-ball situations in physicality, which is exactly what Grant did so well in game two. And, you know, staying more home than they did in game one on the shooters on the wings, particularly when it comes to Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen. Pat Connaughton had a really good game, too, but same deal. So the size can be a detriment to Boston, Milwaukee's size. But if they react the way that they did last night and adjust the game plan the way that they did last night, you can take away some of those threats. Bobby, Brooke Lopez, you know, I'm I'm not even worried about Giannis. When I say that, I mean, I know he's going to score 28 rolling out of bed. It's the other guys we have to worry about because Middleton was going to add another 25. He's not anymore, but we saw in game one that you can get that collectively from three guys if you're leaving them with 10 seconds to tee up their shot on the outside didn't do that in game two you saw what happened
1: the one difference as well like i saw especially in like the late third early fourth what brooklyn brook i keep saying brooklyn what milwaukee tried to do (laughs) is um, they turned Giannis into a screen and roll guy, and they tried to get Giannis going in a short roll situation just to see how Boston... And I think this was more of a like a jab, you know, like a setup, just to see how they react so they can start building some short roll offense for Giannis in game yep. three. Like, hey, if you're not going to overreact on the drives, if you're not going to throw doubles at him in post-up situations, let's see how you're going to deal with him when he's the short roll guy. And then he can catch the ball, hit floaters or post you up off of a short roll when a switch has occurred. And you've either got to cool. scram someone out of there or double. And I think Boston did a really good job of, like, you know, when you're guarding the short roll, you've, you can either step up to the guy that receives the ball. You can leave him that space and give him the mid-range. Or you can look to rotate over and then leave a shooter open so they can kick it out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm always a big fan of, depend, depending who the short roll guy is, they're usually a limited shooter they a bit more, you yep. know, so you you afford them that mid-range area. Like, hey, you want to shoot mid-ranges all day? Go ahead. We're going to bet on you missing more than you make. And while Giannis has improved in that area, I think, you know, what is it now? Like 41% of his mid-range pull-ups this season is converting. Yeah. Um, I'd still dare him all day. We'll let you screen and roll. We'll let you short roll. And then you can pick and pop all day in that short roll pocket. And we're not going to step up and challenge you because the minute you step up, You have two bigger guys that can rotate over to the dunker spot and Giannis can start hurting you again there. Or he's going to post you up and then it's all going to go to to pot. So I think Boston did a really good job of not overreacting to using him as a screen and roll guy. Because I think for me, that when I watched it, I was like, Budenholzer here is collecting data. He sees the games out of reach at this point. He's trying something new that we haven't seen in game one or two really. And he's collecting data on how how the team as a collective React to that, and then he's going to implement something new in game three.
0: Yeah, I read that uh, Boston was ge- I, I didn't necessarily agree with this point, but it made me chuckle. Uh, Boston was giving Giannis the Ben Simmons treatment in game two. And I was like, okay, Giannis, Giannis, Ben Simmons, Giannis is not, however, it's not totally off just from the you know perspective that. They are going to dare you. Like Boston will dare Giannis to create or shoot from the outside. His mid range is obviously a lot stronger than his three. But we'll take the threes and we'll take the mid range too, because we know if he gets inside, he's already above the rim before he even launches. When it comes to Bud's adjustment there, I still felt like that adjustment came a bit too late, which is almost peak Bud but I wonder what would have happened had they done that in the second or third quarter, how that would have responded or how, how, how the game may, have, may or may not have flipped. Um, but I completely agree with you that they're collecting data there and you take that into game three. I wonder how they come out, if they come out with those short roll options a bit more in the rotation, um, just to see if Boston is prepared for that from the jump again. Um, because Boston responded really well early in Game 2. Late in Game 2, fourth quarter, Giannis starts to get his a bit more. Okay, you got to react again. We'll see. Game 3 is obviously quite a few days away. Um, But yeah, I think that Milwaukee will need to adjust quite a bit in order to kind of manufacture those secondary options if Boston is going to kind of dare Giannis to do that again and pack, pack inside while staying home on shooters, just trying to keep him out of the paint. He's going to get there, but if he has options on the outside, that's where you get into trouble. So I thought that that defensive game plan, the response that Udoka uh, had the team prepared to give was almost picture perfect. I mean, the fourth quarter was a bit, a bit less so, Still, overall, though, very impressive, kind of from the top down.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody where I could point at them and be like, "You struggled tonight." You yeah. know, I think there was even a there was even a possession where Giannis went at and Pritchard, and Pritchard somehow managed to force him baseline and, <laughs> yeah. and got you out of bounds. Like, you know, it's not your night when Payton Pritchard's forcing you baseline. Like, no disrespect to Pritchard, but love like, the guy. Yeah, but, but you're, you're Giannis. He's your not goat? a
0: two-time MVP. Yeah
1: if you're dislodging robert williams on drives you should be taking peyton pritchard's soul like that's what you should, expect-
0: should essentially be shouldering peyton pritchard into the suite that brad stevens and bill pelichek were sitting in
1: that's the thing but- Giannis can't shoulder peyton pritchard is too tall it's too
0: big Maybe that's, that's true, the, maybe that's that's true. The- if he should- if he shoulders him, it's
1: gonna be a flagrant yeah because it's gonna be right on here like above the eyes maybe yeah. that's the key Get get someone so small, on the honest, that he can't power his way through because it's a hip check to the face.
0: We just need we need Marcus to be healthy and put him down there because Marcus will at least flop. I think Pritchard is yeah. a bit more disciplined <laughs> when it comes to. I'm just gonna stay home and prove that I'm I'm here. Sure. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm not, I I'm not falling and, over.
1: I thought Pritchard and Grace and Allen were gonna get into it for a moment.
0: Oh, would have been a Duke, a Duke fans. Obviously, Pritchard not a not a a duke alum but maybe honorary just given his skill set that would have been a duke fans wet dream pardon my uh pardon my early morning
1: <laughs> so uh i'll end with this and this is just to end on the yannis short roll again the honest this year according to cleaning the glasses shoot shooting 77 percent at the rim, 44 percent from the long and mid-range 39 percent from the short mid-range so you know short mid-range is floater area anywhere from the free throw line down to the restricted Long mid range is the free throw line extended up to the perimeter. That yep. short roll is probably gonna be a bit long, bit short, depending just how deep that short roll is. I'm letting Yannis shoot that all day over, getting into the rim. All day long. Absolutely. You know what I mean? 100%. And you do- at least then as well, you know, if Al Horford's guarding you, he's only one step away from getting his hand in your face. It's just one jump, boom. So the contest is still going to be there, but we're not stepping up to close that gap that creates something in the back. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared at all. Um, game three predictions. Are you going Boston or are you going Milwaukee?
0: I'll be interested to see how Milwaukee responds, especially offensively. Um, it, I feel like both teams, and Bill, Bill Sai Master Editor Bill Sai said last night in our Slack channel, he feels like both teams probably should feel pretty good because Milwaukee steamrolls Boston in game one, yet didn't play all that well offensively, so knows that they still have more to give in that regard. Boston comes out in game two, steamrolls, and plays particularly well on the offensive end, shooting the lights out. And you, you still leave Boston 1-1. Game one probably felt really deflating. Game two, okay, you get a little bit of that life back. I don't know that Milwaukee is necessarily all that deflated by game two, specifically because they already got game one. I'll be interested to see how Milwaukee responds from an offensive perspective. If Drew can do a bit more than what he did last night, I mean 19 points for Drew Holiday, seven assists, still fine pedestrian numbers almost for drew it's a good line um but he played especially well in game one to the point where i was like oh well there's their non-middleton offense we kind of knew that he had that in the tank already but okay that there is a hundred percent going to be their second primary scorer i will say i th- i think this leaves i think game four we will have a tie series. I want to say, and this here's my prediction. Let me let me sum it up. <laughs> Boston's gonna get, Boston will take Game Three in a close, close, close one. I think, you know, teetering on the Golden State-Memphis habit where that series has just been down to the end the entire way. Instead, where Boston and Milwaukee has kind of been, okay, we know which team has the upper hand from the jump. I think game three is going to be close. And I think Boston will win game three. And Tatum will be nuclear finally. Game four, I think Milwaukee will win. And it will be 2-2. And then we got a three-game series. That would be what I think. I, I think that after seeing what happened in game one, I'm more willing to believe that the series can go to seven. I still think Boston wins the series. I think it'll be tied after four. Let me see what happens from there. But game three, I think Boston will win.
1: Yeah, I've got Boston winning game three. I haven't fought ahead as far as game four yet because, honestly, the, I try the, not notion, too, but... the notion of a game seven against Milwaukee scares the life out of me. That's the one thing I'd want to avoid. You know, so I'm telling myself yep. Celtics in six, but – that's
0: it's. I believe that's what I said in our in our prediction roundtable, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, then again, I didn't think they were going to lose game one.
1: Yeah, what you, you know, well, they were going to lose eventually if it's a six-game series. Why not get it out of the way early? Why do they have to? Why do they have? Forget my prediction. Screw that.
0: Why do they have to lose it all? Why can't we just, just go right into the final? <laughs>
1: Let's be fair though, they, that loss coming into game one they were the only undefeated team left in the playoffs so exactly right. no one was talking about that apart from me um i'll take my, and me. I'll, me too I'll take I, my flowers. I
0: wasn't doing it i wasn't doing it anywhere but my bedroom to myself as i'm counting sheep at night saying oh, yeah.
1: i was tweeting oh, it after every
0: yeah i love it
1: i was tweeting it,
0: after it. You, gotta, you gotta remind everybody
1: yeah, well, somebody's yeah, got to, to dude, I'm <laughs> work, dude, I'm just doing the people's work, dude, I'm doing the people's work, before man. we get out of here, yeah, do you yeah, want to let everyone know where they can find you and all of your stuff, because I know you got your newsletter going on, I know that you've got a few different sites you write for, and as I said at the top <laughs> of the show, it's an experience when you read something of yours, nah. well. so uh, let them know for where sure. they can find you, man, socials, everywhere.
0: Yeah, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at ByWillBRNR, that you can see the handle if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, uh, search at by will and see what comes up. But then throw throw a bunch of letters at at the end of the at the end of the name, and you you might find me. Uh, just try B. Um, but yeah, at is the at on Twitter. Uh, you can obviously find me on Celtics blog, uh, Clips Nation over on SB Nation as well. Uh, might be doing a little bit of work for the Bird Rights. Pelicans blog as well in the offseason. Nick's wall. Trying to think where else. You can find me working at MLB Network from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, pretty much every night this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. But yeah, by, by Will Be On Our Twitter is it's pretty much where you're going to find me 21 to 22 hours a day.
1: And let's just uh, spell this out B J A R N A ah uh, And the only reason, the, the only reason there's no spelling mistake on the um YouTube one is because there's a copy and paste, from Slack. <laughs> <A> copy <laughs> and paste <laughs> from Slack. and paste from um, Slack. I don't blame you, man. It's Believe like, like, yeah, me, anymore, I've, bro. I've, uh, my, my, uh,
0: my high school counselor butchered it at graduation after having worked with her for four years, so it's okay oh wow totally makes
1: sense <laughs> i tell you what though it must force a higher iq when you're in like kindergarten and stuff learning how to spell your surname and some other people are like mine's just taylor so it's easy and then you're there with no. bianna
0: i'm over here like guys i gotta i got a B followed by a j in my name you kidding me i'm on another level already what are we doing here you're learning <laughs> you're learning the alphabet i'm learning icelandic lore get out of here
1: so. icelandic lore. And with that, we're going to leave you uh, to carry on with your Wednesday. I'll be back on Friday as usual. I'm definitely going to bring Will back in the future. Make sure you go shoot him some follows, show him some love, and check out his stuff. It really is an experience, a good one, not a bad one, a good one. Um, Until then, (laughs) you know where to find us. You know where to find me. There'll be some breakdowns dropping on my Instagram channel at some point today as well. If you want to go and check out some breakdowns and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Everybody have a good one. Peace out ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all attest testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the fame